Hello, I'm Jahan Colbreth, and welcome to Chia's podcast series on accreditation from the perspective of creditors. In this series, members of the Chia Accreditation Advisory Committee will discuss issues of importance to accrediting organizations and accredited colleges and universities. These presentations are in their own words and reflect the accreditors' views. And now, Stephen Graham, Strategic Director of Context and Continuity and Director of Accreditation, and Frank Yamada, Executive Director, the Association of Theological Schools, ATS. Thank you for joining us for this presentation of the Commission on Accrediting of the Association of Theological Schools. I'm Stephen Graham, Strategic Director of Context and Continuity and Director of Accreditation. I also serve as the ATS liaison to CHIA. I've served at ATS for 14 and a half years in multiple roles in both programming and the work of accrediting. And my name is Frank Yamada. I'm the Executive Director of the Association of Theological Schools and the Commission on Accrediting. I've served at ATS for five years as Executive Director. And prior to becoming Executive Director, I was a president in one of the member schools of ATS and the Commission on Accrediting, which was McCormick Theological Seminary in Chicago, Illinois. As a brief introduction to the Commission on Accrediting of the Association of Theological Schools, you should know a few things about the organization. First of all, ATS has been an organization committed to quality theological education for 104 years. We are actually two organizations, the Association of Theological Schools, which is the membership organization, and the Commission on Accrediting of the ATS, which is the accrediting agency. These two organizations exist under one mission, which is to promote the improvement and enhancement of theological schools to the benefit of communities of faith and the broader public. As an accrediting agency, the Commission on Accrediting of the ATS accredits over 270 seminaries and academic units embedded in institutions in the US and Canada that offer post-baccalaureate professional and academic theological degrees. These schools, these schools come from a variety of traditions within the Judeo-Christian face, uh, Roman, Catholic, Orthodox, Evangelical Protestant, Mainline Protestant, and one Jewish school. Before we discuss some of the distinctives of, the, of accrediting faith-based schools or schools with faith-based missions, some historical background about the association's history will provide some context for what it means to accredit these richly diverse religious schools. ATS began in 1918 when representatives of 49 theological schools gathered at Harvard University to discuss issues related to post-baccalaureate theological education. Those attending that meeting raised a number of issues, including theological curricula relevant to the times, recruitment and appropriate preparation of students, sharing information about theological education, cooperating with other agencies of Christian education, and cultivating collaboration between schools that could encourage closer relationships among the churches. In the 1930s, the organization moved to include accreditation among its purposes, and in 1938 published its first list of accredited schools. In the 1970s, the basic degree, which to that time had been the Bachelor of Divinity, was renamed the Master of Divinity, highlighting the graduate level of education in ATS schools and making the seminary degree parallel to other professional degrees, such as the Master of Business Administration, the Master of Social Work, 
and the Master of Education. While the original membership was Protestant and representing mostly those denominations now called mainline, over the years, a growing number of evangelical Protestant schools joined the membership, as well as Roman Catholic schools in the wake of the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s, as well as schools representing Eastern Orthodox traditions. In 1970, the ATS Constitution was amended to open membership to schools educating professional leadership for the Jewish religious community. And in 2020, one Jewish school became an accredited member. In 2004, two corporations were established to distinguish the programmatic work of the Association of Theological Schools from the work of accrediting stewarded by the Commission on Accrediting both under the overarching organization of the Association of Theological Schools in the United States and Canada. In 2018, ATS celebrated its centennial with over 250 accredited schools, including a wide variety of sizes, organizational structures, educational modalities, demographics, and constituencies served in the United States and Canada. In 2020, the ATS Commission on Accrediting adopted its third redeveloped version of the standards of accreditation, responding to the widely expressed desire of member schools for standards that would facilitate innovation while preserving highest standards of educational quality. Along with the mission of the Association of Theological Schools to promote the improvement and enhancement of theological schools to the benefit of communities of faith and the broader public, and the purpose of the Commission on Accrediting to contribute to the enhancement and improvement of theological education through accreditation and to collect data from all members for use in accrediting, the association has adopted four core values that Frank and I will outline briefly. So the Association and Commission's work is governed by four core values. So there are four core values, and those values are diversity, quality and improvement, leadership and collegiality. These core values are the how of the Commission on Accrediting's work, and they are critical for understanding how an agency can serve these religiously diverse set of schools. The first one that I will talk about here is uh, diversity. Diversity is a key value that is both descriptive in terms of the different types of schools, some of which Steve named. There are both large schools, small schools, schools that are embedded in larger university or college contexts, freestanding schools, et cetera, all with various modes of educational modalities, serving different forms of constituencies based on the religious communities that these schools serve. All of these schools, because of that, have various religious traditions from which they draw, and the different ways that these schools carry out their educational missions is another distinctive feature. So for example, we have schools that do their educational mission completely online. We also have schools that have been residential since their founding. A key for understanding diversity can be seen in the school's diverse religious missions. Uh, and this is one of the distinctive qualities of serving an accrediting agency that, that um, accredits religious institutions. Mission is fundamental and critical. It's critical to who the schools are, representing the different and distinctive theological missions of the schools, whether they're Roman Catholic or Orthodox, Evangelical Protestant, Mainline's Protestant, and or Jewish. Uh, 
the core value of diversity also recognizes elements of diversity within the schools. So issues and uh, identity pieces like gender, racial, ethnic pieces as well, define the diversities that exist within the schools. So this diversity and the respecting of the different diverse religious traditions among the member schools is a key core value of the association. One accrediting challenge because of that expanding diversity that Frank just described has been to define quality in ways that fit each school's mission and context. That is, how can ATS standards both demand high quality education that serves students well, but that also allows schools to provide that education in ways that will serve the real life needs of communities of faith and the broader public. Two recurring ideas that we heard from constituents as the process to redevelop the standards was underway were rigor and flexibility. Members insisted that the standards maintain a high quality standard, while at the same time allowing schools to explore innovations that would serve them, their students, and their constituents well. And the standards are based on the belief that improvement is an important aspirational quality for all schools. The third core value is leadership. At the ATS and on the Commission on Accrediting, there is a commitment and belief that leadership makes a difference for quality organizations and for the execution of their educational missions with that quality. So the membership association focuses on leadership in a couple of ways. One, through the development of leadership education, leadership education and development for administrators, faculty, and leaders that serve at member schools. It also provides leadership opportunities through initiatives uh, on important topics related to theological education. One of the things that we've also heard in terms of leadership is the way through which accrediting visits function as a leadership development for those who are attending these visits. We hear this often from the presidents and deans and faculty that are on these visits about how peer review visits our leadership education experiences as they go in and assess how a school is doing in relationship to the standards and the different ways that schools implement their missions and this quality. Within the standards themselves, of course, there's a recognition of the importance of leadership, both in the standards for boards, for faculty, and for administration and staff. The final of the four core values is collegiality. ATS affirms the idea that the genius of North American accreditation is that it is a peer-driven process. More than 500 experienced volunteers serve as a core of accrediting peers, including administrators, faculty, and staff from ATS schools, but also pastors, priests, denominational leaders, and directors of nonprofit organizations. All are trained in the work of accreditation, and in any given year, about 120 of them do the good hard work of accrediting by reading reports, visiting schools, both in person and more recently online, and serving on the ATS Board of Commissioners. The ATS core value of collegiality is wonderfully reflected through the work of accreditation as volunteers from the whole range of diversities characteristic of ATS serve the broad membership. 
We'll now turn to some conversation about the standards themselves and the process leading to their redevelopment in 2020. Yeah, so Steve alluded to this earlier, and the idea that we recognized right from the beginning was that these standards really need to be principle-based because there was no other way to think about how a group of standards could serve this very diverse set of religiously oriented schools. So in 2020, the membership voted to approve the new standards of accreditation. While there have been more minor revisions to the standards throughout the years, comprehensive redevelopment of the standards happens only once about every 20 to 25 years. And it's happened only three times in the history of the Commission on Accrediting. What became clear in this process with an increasingly diverse set of member schools is that the new standards would have to move away from bright lines and specific practices, and that the standards themselves would have to be based in principles of educational quality that could encompass the various practices that these diverse set of schools engaged in to execute their educational missions. It was actually in 2018, two years earlier, that the membership voted to begin this once in a generation process, and a task force of 19 members was formed and began its work. But this process of engaging the membership on new standards began well before that through uh, an uh, initiative called the Educational Models and Practices Project that was funded through the Lilly Endowment. It is a project that Steve Graham actually oversaw, and he will describe it a little bit and how it informed the work that we did in the redevelopment process. As Frank mentioned, the Educational Models and Practices Project began in 2014 when ATS launched this major project to study and evaluate educational models and practices that had developed within the membership. The project engaged as a whole 90% of ATS member schools through a number of activities, including a mapping survey of schools' activities and innovations to find out exactly what schools were doing, the formation of 18 peer groups made up of personnel from member schools who were assigned to study and report on particular educational models and practices. Over 100 innovation and faculty development grants were awarded to schools for them to experiment and report on what they had learned. A study group of leaders from other graduate professional disciplines was formed and issued reports. And finally, a study of the religious workforce that focused on about 1,000 graduates of ATS schools was performed. All of these sources of study provided valuable information that informed very directly the process to redevelop the standards of accreditation. So you can see through this initiative, even before the official redevelopment process had begun, 90% of the membership had already been engaged in terms of the practices and the educational practices that their schools were executing. After the membership voted in 2018 to begin the process of this redevelopment, the task force embarked on a two-year process of extensive and intensive engagement of the membership. The first year was a year of listening. The second year was a year of reflecting and drafting. In this first year of listening, the task force engaged more than 700 participants from almost 200 ATS schools. This included 50 focus groups where persons from member schools gave input and feedback on what was helpful or not helpful in the current standards and what needed to go into the new standards. There were also a dozen working groups that focused on key issues related to the new standards 
issues such as Canadian schools concerns, degree programs, denominational issues, diversity, faculty, formation, global engagement, governance, and planning and assessment. Hundreds of pages of notes were drafted covering thousands of comments which were collected. All of this listening and feedback happened before even one word was written on the standards. The second year was a year of reflecting and drafting. Even when the drafting had begun, the task force continued to listen. We collected more than 500 comments on the first two drafts and drafts were revised and then revised again and then revised yet again based on the feedback. And the results were, if to use a religious phrase, miraculous. You can imagine in a uh, membership that is as diverse as ours religiously, to get a vote that is two-thirds of a vote of the membership is a tough task. At the end of the day, when the vote was taken on the new standards, it was almost a nearly unanimous vote. The membership voted 198 to 1 to approve the new standards of accreditation for the Commission on Accrediting of the ATS. And even more miraculous was that there were no amendments from the floor. It was actually a very poignant moment when the chair of the Board of Commissioners waited and waited for any comments or amendments from the floor when the motion was proposed for the approval of the new standards. She waited and waited and waited, and there was silence. And then she said, I think the membership is ready to vote. All of these results depended on this two-year process of intensive listening, drafting, and then some more listening again, and feedback that the membership gave. It's remarkable, given the different theological and quality commitments of the schools, that this diverse set of educational missions that were represented in the Zoom chat room, the first ever online meeting of the Association of Theological Schools, for them to vote 198 to 1 in favor of the new redeveloped standards. Now just a little bit about the standards themselves and some high uh, altitude view of the character of the standards. An ATS colleague who was deeply invested in the work of redeveloping the standards has written about six words or three two-word phrases that tell the story of the 2020 standards. And I'm drawing very heavily on his article and what follows. The first two words, educational quality. As the new standards were being redeveloped, the membership's highest concern was that any new standards focused first and foremost on educational quality. At the heart of the standards is standard three on student learning and formation. Schools may meet every other standard, but if they miss standard three, they miss not only the point, but the heart of the entire enterprise, educational quality for student learning and formation. Words three and four accreditation clarity. The members desired a simpler, clearer set of standards. The 2020 standards state what quality schools actually do using simple indicative verbs. For example, the school demonstrates academic rigor or 
the qualifications of the faculty are appropriate to graduate theological education and so forth. And the standards are much briefer than the previous version, which was over 100 pages long. The 2020 standards are 18 pages long. Through work to eliminate redundancy and to employ clearer language and concepts, the uh, number of pages was dramatically reduced. The main point to achieve accreditation clarity. And words five and six, contextualized flexibility. Standards that had taken the one size fits all approach worked when ATS schools were remarkably similar, but that approach hasn't really served all member schools well for a long time. Given growing diversities of schools, students, educational programs, and means of delivery, just to name a few changes, the new standards required much greater attention to each school's context and constituencies and to the adaptation schools will continue to make into the future. Thus, the goal of contextualized flexibility. We'll conclude our session today with some brief thoughts about our hopes for theological schools and some of the challenges we anticipate for them in the next decade or so. So here are a couple of my hopes, um, hopes that I think emerge from this work that was done on these redeveloped standards, hopes from what we see in this increasingly diverse set of religious schools with religiously oriented missions. My first hope is that these new standards combined with the initiative support and educational support from the association will provide schools with the resources that they need to make the changes necessary to further their mission in these very challenging times for theological schools and for all of those schools in higher education. My second hope is that as theological schools do this work, that they would continue to produce religious practitioners, scholars, and good citizens who are religiously formed within these marvelously diverse theological set of schools, that they would produce leaders who can contribute constructively to the common good of our society, a society that is increasingly fractured and polarized in the need of people who are formed within these deep religious traditions. In terms of challenges, the ones that I would name are these. First, for theological schools to rethink their organizational and business models so that the economic burden of theological education is not placed on students. We all know that students of theological schools come out and enter into vocations that often do not pay at the level for which the quality of their theological education provided meaning that they are often put in places of debt and in positions that have difficulty paying that debt over time. I think it is on the schools for them to begin to think about how they can innovate their organizational business models so that that burden of economic burden is not placed on students. A second challenge I think that theological schools will face is for theological schools to reach audiences and students that have not been part of their traditional base. It was very common in the 20th century for a Presbyterian student to attend a Presbyterian seminary or for a Pentecostal student to attend a Pentecostal seminary or a Roman Catholic priest to be a Roman Catholic seminary. Increasingly though, Roman Catholic schools are now training lay leaders and deacons. Uh, other schools are training leaders from other traditions. 
So how can these schools increase their capacities to serve a diverse set of students, not just for enrollment growth, but so that these schools can adapt their work to better serve these students and communities better? Mike Frank, I have uh, two hopes and two challenges that I'll name. And interestingly, or not surprisingly, they're very similar to his, although stated somewhat differently. My hopes that in the midst of changes in societies, higher education and communities of faith, theological schools will be institutionally creative to be as effective as possible in meeting the needs of communities of faith and the broader public. And then secondly, and that in so doing, they will remain true to their distinctive theological missions that connect them to their historic traditions of truth and wisdom. Two challenges that are related to those and similar to what Frank named. One, to communicate this ancient wisdom through new ways and train students to do so. And then finally, to develop institutions that are sustainable and that are best suited for their missions and purposes. Well, in closing, we'd both like to thank you for listening to these reflections on the Association of Theological Schools Commission on Accrediting and its work of accrediting graduate theological schools. Thank you very much. Thank you for this thoughtful presentation. And we thank the members of the CHIA Accreditation Advisory Committee for their participation in the podcast series and their support for CHIA. Look for another in CHIA podcast series soon. These podcasts are another way CHIA informs members and the accreditation community.